0: What is up, everybody? Lance McCullers Jr. here from the Walkout Podcast, and we are back with another episode this week. A little slow weekends of fights, uh, you know, headlined by Floyd Mayweather versus the Paul brother. Uh, of course, we had Rosenstruck versus uh, Sakai. Rosenstruck finally kind of showed us uh, what he was about and in in, in that great power uh, that he possesses. Uh, he had a beautiful fight this weekend. Uh, but the main storyline this week, guys, is UFC 263 coming at us hot. That is this weekend. Israel Adesanya on this card. Uh, Figueiredo, Vatori, Moreno, Edwards, Diaz. It is not short of star power. We'll be going over the entire fight uh, right here at any number one coming at you right now. All right, guys. Welcome into any number one. And, of course, we are going to start this podcast off with UFC 263 coming in hot this Saturday. It is the pay-per-view event, and it really kind of kicks off the summer. Uh, UFC uh, 263. Then we got uh, we got Ige versus the uh, Korean Zombie coming up. We have Gon versus Volkov. Then UFC 264. Of course, that is Conor, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. That's in July, rounded off by uh, Holloway versus uh, Yair Rodriguez right there in the middle of July. So every single weekend, basically, for the next... Uh, four to five weeks, we have amazing, amazing fights. And this card has a lot of star power on it. Israel Adesanya taking on Marvin Vittori to defend his metalweight uh, belt. This is a rematch. Uh, Marvin Vittori and uh, Israel Adesanya, they went back at it way back in 2018. That was one of Israel Adesanya's first fights inside the UFC. And probably his closest um, finish, if unless you want to include uh, the, the Romero fight, but, but the closest, most controversial decision probably in his UFC tenure, uh, was that fight. Of course you have Devison Davidson Figueredo, uh, versus Brandon Moreno too, as well. These guys went at it back in December and it was a, a late fight of the year, uh, candidate. Uh, both of these guys showed us why, um, you know, that flyweight division is now so exciting and, uh, looking forward to another, uh, another go with, with these guys. And of course, welterweight Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, that welterweight division really struggling in a way to really get a contender uh, to the top for Kamar Usman. Kamar Usman has been nothing short of absolutely spectacular ever since he got that belt uh, from former champion Ty- Tyrone Woodley. And we are super excited to see Le- Leon Edwards uh, against you know someone that uh, has great stand up, can strike, obviously can take a punch. Um, and also has an amazing ground game. Um, and Nate Diaz, the fan favorite well wait, Damian Maya versus below Muhammad. Muhammad was the, was the opponent to Leon Edwards a few, uh, a few weeks ago that had, it had to be stopped because of the eye poke. So it was nice to see him get a, uh, a big main, uh, a big pay-per-view card fight, uh, against a Damian Maya. And then, and then rounding that off, we got Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill, um, there at the, uh, first fight of the main card and the preliminary card. A huge fight there for the women's flyweight division, Lauren Murphy uh, versus Cowderwood. This this could be a fight for the next person that's really going to step up and uh, fight for that belt. So nothing short but amazing fight after amazing fight after amazing fight. We even got Drew Dober on the – he's the main card on the preliminary card. Uh, Eric Anders, a former football player, taking on Darren Stewart. Uh, He's one that gave um, Kevin Holland, actually – um, some, some problems back, um, you know, last summer when they fought, so it should be an exciting fight. I think that everyone is uh, looking forward to this, uh, looking forward to these matchups. I know, um, I am, I'm looking forward to a, a big weekend of fights after last weekend when we had to, um, you know, kind of suffer through the, uh, the Paul brother and the, uh, the Floyd Mayweather fiasco, which we will touch on today, but any number two, three, four, five, and six, we we're basically going to be going over every single one of these fights, i going to detail these, uh, these fight for you guys. I'm um, excited to give you my thoughts, and uh, hopefully they play out like I say. So, A-Number 2 coming up, we're going to be talking about Adasanya versus Vittori 2, what I think will be the difference, and who will be the winner. All right, guys, welcome into A-Number 2. We're going to be starting off with Israel Adasanya, the last style bender, versus Marvin Vittori. As I mentioned in the previous, uh, previous segment, these two have gone at it before. It was back in 2018. It was, uh, I believe it was... Um, Israel's second fight uh, inside the UFC. I think he beat a uh, a Rob Wilkinson to a knockout um, in his first fight, which was funny enough. For Romero versus Rockhold. That that was the that was the main event that night at UFC 221. And then uh, Marvin Vittori, uh was his next um, his next fight on the Poirier Gaethje card, and um, this was a split decision win. This was a split decision win for um, for Israel Adesanya. But he never looked back after this win. He went to uh, Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson. Of course, Anderson Silva um, claimed the title from Gastelum. Uh, then, you know, Robbie Whitaker, Yoel Romero, Paulo Acosta. And then, of course, he lost, uh, you know, his his uh, 205 uh, light heavyweight shot versus Jan Blakowicz. But what Israel Adesanya has been able to do inside the octagon in no more than, than three years has been absolutely spectacular. This guy has gone from someone who came over, um, you know, as, as a kickboxer. Uh, we were we were excited about him. We were we were wondering, you know, what he was really gonna be able to to do inside the UFC, what that grappling was gonna look like, what he was gonna be able to do against the you know the best in the world. And he has um undoubtedly become uh, one of the faces of the UFC. And he, he's on this trajectory uh for 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 possible GOAT status, um, especially inside um that 185 division. But he has a tough task. He has a tough task inside Marvin Vittori. Because Marvin Battori is a guy who, since that loss versus Isla Adesanya, has been on a, I believe, five-fight win streak. Uh, some of these wins over, of course, Jack Hermanson and then Kevin Holland. But I want to highlight the Kevin Holland win. That was back in April. Kevin Holland is a, is a great striker. Kevin Holland has shown us the ability to uh, be creative in the octagon, uh, the ability to you um, know, really kind of overwhelm his opponents. He's had some some really flashy knockouts back when he won the fight of the year in 2020. This went to me showed what Vittori has the ability to possibly do to Israel Adesanya. Now, I'm in, in no in no way am I drawing a, a direct line um from Kevin Holland striking to Israel Adesanya striking. But what I am saying is Israel Adesanya kind of got a little bit exposed in that Jan Blakovich fight. Um First and foremost, Jan was able to stand with Israel. That was important to note uh, because that showed a guy like Vittori, who's already been in there with him once. You can stand with this guy. You can stand with him. You know, as long as you mix it up, as long as you keep your range. You just don't sit in front of him like a like a Costa did. You don't get um, you know too overzealous, and you don't try to make things happen too quickly like a a, a Robbie Whitaker did. Um, you have the ability to stand with him and and strike. And Jan Blakowicz wasn't getting off the best strikes in the world, but he, w- he was getting them off. He was touching Israel, and you know he was able to um, you know, kind of display that he is a better striker than people thought. But I also believe that Vittori uh, may be a little bit better of a striker um, than people consider him to be. But the wrestling aspect, the wrestling aspect is what's going to take over this fight if Vittori wants a chance to win. If you stand with Israel all five rounds, I believe at that 185 Uh, you know, pound division, his ability to touch guys with the power he possesses down there um, will be a difference maker. I think his kicks, I think his distance is all going to be tough for Vittori to kind of deal with. You saw Holland, although he was pretty tired from the onslaught of wrestling, was still able to get off combos, was still able to, you know, inflict a little bit of damage to where Vittori said, you know what, I got to go back down, I got to keep wrestling. So when I see a guy like Kevin Holland inflicting that kind of uh you know, damage or type of panic mode, um, I start to think, man, is Israel really not gonna be able to put this guy away? But Vittori's gotta go hard and heavy from the beginning. It's gotta be a wrestling match. He's gotta do it in in, in an ugly way. And I'm of course I'm someone who who loves to see guys stand and bang. I, I love watching technical, beautiful uh fights that Whitaker um fight versus Darren Till was was a fight that I was locked in on. I, I was absolutely loving that fight, enjoying that fight. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. I was one of the guys that loved it, but this is going to have to be one of those Habib fights. This is going to have to be one of those fights that Vitoria just drags him to the floor round after round, you know, gets, gets control on the ground, gets that ring time, octagon time, excuse me. And, you know, tries to inflict some damage along the way, but ultimately he is just riding him. He's you know staying busy enough, to stay on the ground um, to basically just bag those rounds and try to win a uh, try to win a decision. I do not believe a tour is going to knock out Asanya out. Um, but I believe his game plan will be that of a Jan Blachowicz in those last two and a half rounds. In round three, Israel versus Jan, it was very close. It was very tight. the The striking was almost about even. I would probably say you know Izzy was getting off some of the better striking but uh, it was close. Uh, Jan was holding his own, but he realized halfway through that third round, he needed to bag these rounds, and he was able to basically go to the mat at will. He didn't really try to submit um, Israel. He put a little bit of ground and pound, but the thing that made the biggest impact on me was his ability to just hold Israel down with his weight, and Vittoria is someone that is going to come into this fight, I believe, well over 200 pounds, and I think Izzy will be somewhere in the 190s, so people who are saying the weight Won't be a factor. I disagree. I think I think Vittorio will be at least ten or fifteen pounds heavier than Izzy in this fight, and he's going to have to rely on that grappling game, on that wrestling style matchup if he wants a chance um, at that belt. Now, I believe Israel is going to learn from that fight versus Yan. That was really the first time anyone's taken him down. That was really the first fight that he's had to you know fight off his back. Previously to that fight, he had been I think promoted to a purple belt um, in jiu-jitsu, but. As we all know, if you've ever uh, grappled, if you've ever been um, a jiu-jitsu practicer or a mixed martial arts uh, fighter that has a jiu-jitsu background, it's much different in the octagon. It's much different with the punches, um, you know, the ability to, um, you know, have to withstand the cardio it takes to, uh, you know, be on the ground and trying to escape while this man is basically laying on top of you extremely heavy and he's recharging his batteries, So Israel's got to be able to learn from that fight versus Jan. He needs to clean up the striking a little bit because I didn't really think Jan should have been able to hang with them as well. And he needs to go back to staying on the outside, picking them apart and waiting for Vittori to kind of come into his striking when he wants to go for that takedown and inflict that damage. So ultimately, I believe Israel Adesanya will retain this belt. I think it'll be a harder fight than maybe some people are thinking. I think Vittori's got a good chin. He's got good cardio. He showed us in that Hermanson fight his ability to take a main event on last-minute notice and go five full hard rounds. So I'm looking forward to this fight. I think that Vittori, you know, he's a southpaw. You know, he's going to give a little bit of trouble to Adesanya, but in the end, Adesanya will be able to will be able to piece that puzzle together. Uh, his striking from the outside will be the difference. I think he probably wins in a decision. I do believe Vittori will have some ground control at some point in the fight that will probably be able to extend this fight to a, a decision, but I believe Israel Adesanya Uh, Will retain his belt and, um, you know, we will continue to see him build that resume um, as he goes through his mixed martial arts career. We are talking Devinson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno, too. Uh, As I told you guys, these guys went at it back on December 12th. It ended up in a draw. It was the main event of UFC 256. A late, late fight of the year candidate, in my opinion. Um, Of course, Joanna versus Wei Lee. Definitely held out. Definitely was the fight of the year. But this one was um, absolutely uh, amazing because it had it all. It had these guys who were standing there toe to toe. They were throwing. They were wrestling. You saw jiu-jitsu. You saw them have to dig deep. And um, I thought on that night, in my heart of hearts, I thought on that night that Brandon Moreno um, possibly won that fight. I I really did. Uh, I thought that he had done enough to uh, become the new uh, flyweight world champion. But in the end, it was a draw. And uh, these guys are going to go back at it. And Devinson Figueredo is interesting because as this guy has been making his run of Joseph Benavidez twice, Alex Perez submission um, leading up to that Brandon Moreno fight, we were sitting here saying this guy's unbeatable. You cannot beat this guy. You cannot out cardio this man. You cannot knock out this man. This guy, this guy has knockout power like he like he's in one forty five, one fifty five, fighting at one twenty five. This guy is a big one twenty five. He's had problem making weight. You know, in that first Joseph Benavidez fight, um, you know, and he has just so many knockouts, you know, on his record. I believe he's got maybe nine knockouts or 10 knockouts with, you know, eight or nine submissions. Almost every single one of his wins um, comes via finish. He can fi- he can finish you from anywhere on the feet or on the ground. So when you're building a fighter, you're saying, man, this is the guy that I want. But long behold comes along Brandon Moreno, someone that I watched all the way back um, in 2016 the ultimate fighter the dude from Mexico with a chin with the heart of gold and you know someone who was looking to prove himself someone who wanted to show uh the UFC and show the world that this guy was for real and when he fought Brandon Royval um I tuned in cuz I saw his um his Kai Carr France um you know unanimous decision it was a good win I I didn't think he was going to you know <laughs> give dick uh, Devon Figueiredo uh a run for his money but when I saw that Brandon Royval win and I saw that knockout. And I saw the way that he handled a, an amazing jiu-jitsu practicer in the UFC, the way he handled himself on the ground, the way he was able to um, you know, stop submission attempts, flip to gain control, um, get back up on his feet, and ultimately land that knockout. I said, pause. This guy has got a shot to beat Devison Figueredo. I never thought it would happen. That was November. And he took that fight on super super, uh, you know, short notice. I think it was like December 20th, right before Thanksgiving or so he won that fight versus Roval and he took the fight that night to fight December 12th against Deveson Figueredo. And so when I watched that fight, as I've watched it a couple of times now, and I come out of that fight, I said, Devon Figueredo does not look right to me. He looked slower than normal. He didn't look like he had his timing, his cardio looked off a little bit. Um, but on the same on the same coin, you're like, but man, Brandon Moreno just fought. He just went through a whole camp. He just probably a grueling camp. He just finished uh Brandon Royval just went through that weight cut. And he's already flipping around three weeks later and, and and fighting the 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 best in the world in his weight class. Someone that we're talking about moving up to fight uh for a 135 belt, someone that we're saying could could rival what triple G, I'm um, sorry, triple C did. And then he, he goes toe to toe with him. And you say, man, what an absolute fight. So for me, this fight's interesting because I'm questioning was that a performance that Brandon Moreno cannot repeat? Was that the best Brandon Moreno will ever see in the octagon? And this happens. This happens in athletics, happens in sports. Sometimes I'll go match up against someone, you know, whoever you want to call him. And maybe the betting odds aren't on my side or wherever the case may be. And I have just a stellar game. And, you know, I run through the lineup, you know, and, and I go seven, eight innings and, and, and we get the win. And you're asking yourself, you know, if, if if I had to do that again, could you do it? And that's what Brandon Moreno's asking himself. If I have to do this again. If I have to go toe to toe with this guy again, can I do it? Apparently, Figueredo had food poisoning, was in the hospital the night before, all this kind of stuff. We didn't know that the night of the fight. He just looked off. He just looked a little bit slow, a little bit. His timing wasn't really there. It wasn't the guy that we've we, we've come to know and love, this killer, and in, in that octagon that that we've fallen in love with. So I say, well, is that the worst night of Devis and Figueredo and the best night of Brandon Moreno? Even on Figueredo's worst night and Moreno's best night, it wasn't good enough. Or was that Figueredo and that was Brandon Moreno? Someone coming off of a fight just a couple of weeks ago someone that was probably a little bit fatigued, a little bit tired, handling that power, handling that guy's uh, jiu-jitsu. It kind of leaves you with the question, what's going to happen in this second fight? I believe we were closer to an amazing performance by Brandon Moreno and a slightly average performance by Devis and that left us with that draw. I believe that Figueroa will come into this fight much more conditioned, and ready to roll. I don't know if he's going to knock him out because Brandon Moreno still ate that power in that first round. And even if you weren't feeling your best, you're still fresh in that first. And he was giving him all I could handle as far as the power goes. This could be another decision. And I believe this decision, Wayne, will probably go to Figueredo. But I still am expecting probably five a the night from these two. So that's the question we have to answer. We have to see how it plays out was that the best version of Moreno we're ever going to see and one of the you know poor performances from Figueredo or was that really these two men and they just they just match up so well you know that that Moreno made Figueredo a little less um superhuman like than we had you know kind of been accustomed to see that's the question that we have to be that has to be answered i think Figueredo gets it done but i think Moreno is not far behind figurado as far as a fighter goes a complete fighter goes and i'm excited to see um this fight this this fight's pick pick for me uh this is my pick of the night for uh fight of the night all right guys welcome into a number four and we are talking leon edwards the welterweight from england versus stockton's very own nate diaz uh really really looking forward to this fight i think it's gonna be one of the funner fights of the night um Nate Diaz had been fighting in the UFC. I mean, you can go all the way back until I think like 2007, 2008, since I was in middle school, and nothing matters until that, that fateful night on March 5th, 2016, when he fought Conor McGregor and he submitted him in the second round of UFC 196. Um, from that moment on, uh, this man has been on just a, a trajectory, as a, 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 from a fandom standpoint... Um, you know, that, that you couldn't even imagine. This guy has basically called his own shot since that moment, um, that fight. And of course the rematch, he lost that rematch, but man, what a freaking rematch it was. Um, you know, he's basically, you know, he's basically calling the shots. Of course he fought Anthony Pettis. He beat him by noon decision, Um, and then he fought Jorge Masvidal for the BMF belt back in 2019, uh, pre COVID, one of the last big pre COVID fights, um, that we got. And, uh, of course that was a doctor stoppage. Um, And he comes into this fight, um, you know, not fighting since, you know, almost two years, a year and a half or so, but really, really, really looking forward to trying to make his impact and trying to get in that octagon um, with that welterweight champion um, Usman, because if he wins this fight, I believe he will move up into that rankings and he will get that title shot versus Usman because Usman is looking for that big payday, of course, but also because there's just not too many guys right now. Of course, you have Colby. He's not fighting. Um, up there at the top that are looking to, to push Usman and, get, and get, in the, uh, get in the octagon with him. And on the other hand, you know, we got Leon Edwards, someone who is just, you know, he's been in the UFC since 2014. He only has two losses inside that UFC, um, you know, octagon. But at the same time, you're asking yourself, is this guy for real? Who's this guy really fought? We got Vincent Luque back in 2017. We got a Donald Cerrone in 2018, a Gunnar Nelson, a Rafael Dos Anjos, um, you know, when we should have been fighting at that weight class. And then we got, um, below Muhammad, um, two years in between, uh, that, 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 that Dos Anjos fight. And it was a no contest from the eye poke. So questions still to be answered, um, from Leon Edwards, what are we getting, you know, from a guy, um, you know, of, of his stature, we're getting, you know, a big, long, lanky, um, you know, South Paul that, that really can strike and mix it up with the kicks and, And things of that nature. But, you know, six knockouts on his record, three submissions. Um, You know, you're asking yourself, does this guy really stand a chance against a guy like Usman? But only time will tell. Nate Diaz is a good test for him, though, because Nate Diaz, you know, as much as he really doesn't have that knockout power, he is a good striker. He is tall and lanky, you know, very long arms. You know, he's going to be similar stature um, to Leon Edwards in this fight. You know, he's got a lot of submissions, maybe 13, 14 submissions inside the UFC. Um, you know, or on his record, um, I should say, uh, so we know the ground game is not going to be somewhere that Leon wants to go. So we know this fight's going to be on the feet. We know that, um, you know, Nate Diaz is not afraid of scrap. So this is kind of in Leon Edwards wheelhouse, fighting a guy with not a lot of power, fighting a guy that he's, you know, a little bit bigger than, and is going to be able to mix it up, you know, pretty comfortably, I would say without the worry that he's going to go to sleep, you know, on one punch, you know, similar to what we saw in the Usman, Uh, Masvidal fight. So this is really made well for Leon Edwards. And I believe he's going to win this fight. Leon Edwards, this is his moment. This is his time to beat someone that is worldwide known, get on the map and be able to uh, catapult from this fight straight into that Usman fight. Nate Diaz is a good fighter. Nate Diaz has amazing jujitsu. He's just someone that is going to stand and bang as long as the other guy is willing to do so. And Leon Edwards is the better striker. You know, even against uh, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad is a really good, solid fighter. He's someone that I respect a lot. He's on this card as well. You know, he's had 18 wins. You know, on his record, he's been in the UFC for for quite some time now as well. He was on a on a big win streak, but we saw, you know, even with that no contest, even with that stop, it only took about a round uh, to realize who the better striker was, who the better fighter was, and, and that was Leon Edwards. So I believe Leon Edwards is going to win this fight. I believe it's probably also going to go to decision. We're in for a long night of fight, guys. Uh, it will probably also go to decision unless for some reason uh, Nate's face. Obviously, we know he has a scar tissue issues. He gets busted open pretty easily. Um, but Leon Edwards will win this fight by unanimous decision, and he will catapult this fight into that title fight uh, versus Usman. Um, going to be a super fun fight. It's always fun watching Nate Diaz, um, watching Nate Diaz scrap. And you know he's he's getting a little older. You know he's getting up there. 36 years old, um, been in this game, as I've mentioned, since the you know 2000, 2007, 2008. Um, so it's great to see him get his flowers. Um, great to see him still competing at a high level. Um, looking forward to this fight a lot. All right, guys, welcome into A number five. And we're going to be touching on some of the guys and women that are on the rest of this card. Uh, Damian Maya versus Bolo Muhammad. We got Paul Craig going up against Hill. And, of course, Lauren Murphy, Houston's own. Uh, versus Cowderwood, a couple of really good fights that are also on this card. Uh, we'll start off with Damian Maya. Damian Maya is still going uh, at the age of 43 inside the UFC. Uh, you know, been fighting the UFC, man, probably as long or longer than Nate Diaz um, all the way back to the mid 2000s as well. But probably the best um, jiu-jitsu practicer we've ever seen inside the UFC holds all kind of submissions um, and submission records. Um, you know, inside the UFC fighting against a guy in below Muhammad that honestly has been on a nice little um, streak himself. You know, he's got 18 wins inside his professional career. He's only got three losses. And, you know, he, he's he been fighting for for quite some time too. Made his debut back in uh, July 16th and uh, has two losses inside his UFC career. But this fight for me um, bodes well for below Muhammad as long as he keeps Damian Maia off of him. Uh, you know, Muhammad is going to have his work cut out for him. Uh, you know, to just stay on the feet. We know that Damian Maya, you know, his stand-up is not has never been great, but it's definitely not what it used to be. And, you know, this fight is a great opportunity for Muhammad to, you know, springboard off this as well inside, you know, that that welterweight division. Uh, Damian Maya is still a very, very recognizable name. Um, but it's gonna be a battle of, you know, can Muhammad stay on the feet? And if he happens to go to the ground, you know, can he stay? You know, away from submission, can he get up? You know, he doesn't have any submission losses in his career, but he only has one submission win. You know, I don't think he wants to be down there on the mat. Uh, we'll see how this plays out though. Below Muhammad should be able to win this fight, should be able to outstrike uh Damian Maya, you know, early and often and be able to uh to control it, you know, as long as he can stay, you know, on the feet. We also got Paul Craig, you know, in this fight going up against uh Jamal Hill. You know, Jamal Hill, man, 8 0 inside the UFC. You know, he has been someone that is very, very exciting. Uh, we know we we've loved watching him fight. We've loved getting to know him. You know, he's a big boy, six four, two hundred and five pounds, he got a big reach, about seventy-nine, you know, eighty inch reach inside that um that light heavyweight division. So, you know, he's been he's been nothing other than extremely exciting. You know, he of course, uh the knockout on the Dana White contender series, you know, the decision, and of course that big win, that big knockout versus uh, you know, St. Priest. So uh, Paul Craig is always someone who is down, who's down to scrap. You know, he, he definitely does not shy away. You know, he's, he's also a big boy himself, six, three, you know, you know, been inside this, uh, been inside this octagon a lot, especially inside the UFC. But, uh, Jamal Hill, his stand up is to get this done. You know, he should probably get a finish, um, in this fight. And also on the preliminary card, we got Lawrence Murphy, Lauren Murphy. Also on the preliminary card, we got Lauren Murphy, uh, of course, training out of Houston, Texas. Um, you know, so you, you know you can bet your bottom dollar uh, that we are absolutely, uh, you know, pulling for Lauren. She had been very outspoken, you know, actually, and she had been telling the UFC, you know, she wanted that title shot. You know, she wanted to go and uh, she wanted to be able to to face Shishenko. She felt like she had done enough, um, you know, to get that title shot. You know, she's thirty seven years old. She's not, uh, you know, doesn't have all the time in the world, you know, on her side. She has a great Four fight winning streak, um, you know, with a few um, with a few uh, submissions and and KOs, you know, in that mix. So really looking for Lauren to be able to you know sit on that right hand, and, you know, do some damage, you know. But she's got a tough opponent. She got a tough opponent in Cowderwood. Um, you know, she's someone that's always down to scrap. You know, uh, JoJo's she's got five knockouts, you know, in 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 her uh, professional MMA career. You know, she's racked up fifteen wins. Uh, I do believe Lauren though is going to be able to get this done. I feel I feel good about this fight. Uh, I feel good about her. uh, You know her size advantage. I think she's going to be the more uh, physical fighter. You know when 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 that octagon bell rings, and I think she's going to be able to get this done. We're hoping for a a big finish because nothing gets you a title shot. um, You know against someone like Shevchenko uh, without beautiful striking, and you know hopefully a big. A big knockout, so we're pulling for Lauren. I do think she gets this fight done. It's on the uh, preliminary card. A couple of really good fights, including Drew Dober, um, you know, on this card. So, you guys make sure you guys check out that preliminary card as well. All right, guys, welcome into A number six. And we're talking boxing, we're not talking Wilder, we're not talking Fury, uh, we're talking the Paul brothers. The Paul brothers seem to be dominating uh the sport of boxing right now, at least their name. Uh, we got TikTokers going at it here soon. TikTokers versus YouTubers—they're fighting on pay-per-view events. It just feels like in, in today's age of social media, um, you know, they are taking full advantage of their audiences and the ability to transition into larger money-making opportunities. So, power to them. But Logan Paul, Logan Paul, the the boxer and the. Podcast host, I'm sorry, not boxer, the YouTuber and podcast host, Owen 1 inside of his UFC, inside of his uh boxing career, who locks to another YouTuber, KSI, went up against arguably, debatably, the greatest boxer to ever live, most definitely the greatest boxer of our generation, and Floyd Mayweather, and somehow went eight rounds. Eight rounds of three minute rounds. Logan Paul hung in there. Now, if you ask me who won the fight, I would probably say, well, if you're scoring a fight, Floyd Mayweather won. But if you're asking me who won the fight, Lance, I'm saying freaking Logan Paul won this fight. Logan Paul did not get knocked out. Logan Paul did not really seem overwhelmed. I mean, yeah, he hung on to him quite a bit. And other than that first round flurry, didn't land a ton of shots. But this was not supposed to be this. Unless this was set up in those clips that we see where uh, Floyd Mayweather kind of ducked one of his jabs and landed a nice right and kind of held Paul up, it seemed like he did at least, unless that was Floyd Mayweather's doing and, and that was a, um, an off script type thing, this is nuts. It's hard for me to wrap my head around how Floyd Mayweather could go eight rounds with this guy. Now, I know it was an exhibition. I know it wasn't for you know any records. I know it wasn't for anything of that nature but it's still for your, your pride. And uh, I don't think Floyd trained a bunch of this fight. I think Logan Paul trained a lot. But still, man, um, pretty wild that Logan Paul was able to hang in the ring um, against, you know, one of the best boxers of all time. You know, whether it was an exhibition or not, uh, it's still impressive. I know he was much, much larger. Logan Paul, 6'2", 190, most definitely on fight night, <laughs> sitting 205, 210, I don't even know how big Floyd was. He looked small, shit. Um, he 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 definitely was. But listen, I got to go hats off, man. I got to go hats off to Logan Paul. I got to go hats off to Jake Paul. You know, I, I was hating a lot in the beginning. I was really hating in the beginning. You know, but but Jake's Paul moved to Showtime. Um, the fact Showtime signed him, gave him a contract. He's got a Woodley fight lined up. Um, you know, you know, Jake Paul. is he's, he, he's putting a lot into it. Logan Paul trained hard for this shit, man. He trained really hard for it. He fought Floyd Mayweather. You know, you're going into that fight honestly thinking there's a chance you get embarrassed, and he put it all aside, man. He went in there and and gave it his all, and you got to respect the shit out of that. It's just, it's just weird to me how how this guy survived with with Floyd. Whether boxing isn't as hard as we think it is, which I disagree with. I just, um, it's just kind of, it's just kind of mind boggling, man. It's kind of mind boggling. Uh, honestly, it, it, it's mind boggling and it, and, and it does show that UFC is definitely in my opinion, the, the superior, you know, martial art. I mean, if Logan Paul get inside of an octagon with anyone in his weight, near his weight class, my guy's not lasting around. He's not lasting around. Um, but he went eight rounds with one of the goats, Floyd Mayweather. Wow. Crazy times. I touched on it a little bit, but his brother, Jake Paul, who uh, has been famous now for knocking out um, Nate Robinson, who's knocked out uh, Ben Askren, although that looks scripted as shit. Moved over to Showtime, has a contract with Showtime, and is fighting Tyrone Woodley. First of all, I'm happy as shit for Tyrone. Happy as shit for Woodley, man. You know, he was a, he's a five-time UFC champion. Um, you know, ha- went through some of the biggest names in the sport. Um, was in this game for a long time. And he's getting his big payday. And it's making UFC fighters mad. I think it's making these guys upset. You saw Paul Costa pulled out of his main card. Said he wants to get paid like a main card. You see Francis Ngannou tweeting, you know, basically confused how these guys are, you know, it's reported that that Paul's going to make $20 million or something of that sort. And Ngannou's sitting here like, damn, I'm making 500 plus a win bonus maybe and pay-per-view cuts. So I'm making a couple million. I'm the heavyweight champion of the, of the world, the UFC. He's starting to look across the ring and say Deontay Wilder, 30 M's. Joshua was make was gonna make what 70, 50 or sixty M's for fighting for fighting Fury. Fury the same thing. These guys are starting to open their eyes, man. And this is what we were talking about with John Jones. John Jones says he knows how much these heavyweight guys are getting paid. He knows with when this type of spectacle is um, you know, he knows with this type of spectacle the money should should come. The big time money should come. And I agree. There's no reason you got Jake Paul, um, you know, Logan Paul, Floyd, um, Now Woodley, um, you know, KSI, you know, all these guys, these TikTokers, I don't even know their names, um, but one of them says he's getting five million bucks to step in the ring. It's one of the TikTokers. Um, let me look it up. It's one of the TikTokers versus uh let me hear, TikTok versus YouTube boxing. That's what I'm looking up on on Google right now on my phone. Here we go. The battle of the platforms. Oh my gosh. This is sad in a way. We got Bryce Hall. I see Bryce Hall's name. Okay. We got Bryce Hall versus Austin McBroom. Um, and apparently Bryce Hall is saying he's getting 5 million bucks to step into the ring versus Austin McBroom. And then they're getting cut to pay-per-view. So you can see where these UFC guys are frustrated, but going back to what I was kind of saying is I'm happy for Woodley, man. I'm happy for Woodley. I feel like, you know, he's going to get broke off. I think he's going to, I think he's going to put it into, to to Jake Paul. He should put it into Jake Paul or he should beat him. But then you look at Tyrone Willie. Look at his last few fights. And this last fight I liked against against Luke. I liked the way he went out. But not the same guy he used to be. He's got that overhand right though. I would love to see my man Tyrone work and really get a jab. Go down with Team Canelo, maybe. I don't know if you know if, if they would do it, but go down and work work with Team Canelo. Get that jab going. Get that Canelo jab that, that they're famous for down there. You see Andy Ruiz posting stuff. I mean, he, they just look like they got a great. Thing going down there, and he needs a jab. He wants to beat Jake Paul. It's crazy. I'm saying this. He wants to beat Jake Paul. He needs to be able to hold him off with a jab. Because Jake Paul is young. He's got a heck of a right. Whether that you know Ben Askren fight was set up, I don't know what the case was, but um, he's got a good right. He's got a good right. He's knocked out two guys with it so far. So um, Tyrone, happy for you, brother. Uh, It's crazy that that you know when you talk to kids about sports or whatever, boxing, and they immediately start talking about Jake Paul. Um, or they start talking about these YouTubers and, and TikTokers. You know, I don't think they've ever heard of Tommy Hearn or, you know, Sugar Ray and none of these guys. But they know TikTokers and 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 they know uh they know Logan Paul. They know Jake Paul. And, you know, shout out to those guys for taking advantage of, of the situation they're in and making some serious money. You know, maybe I gotta gotta f round a little bit, you know, maybe when to Cy Young or I don't know, World Series MVP, and maybe I can get in the ring with one of these guys and grab an easy check. All right, guys, that's it for today. Any number six, we got any number seven, the closing coming up. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I am on my rehab assignment. I'm going to pitch in Sugar tonight. Should be back with the boys here soon. We're hoping to get an episode in next week with Carlos. We have an off day on Monday. That'll be after UFC 263. We should have a lot to say. Whether Carlos is here or not, it is yet to be seen. But you can bet that I will be here uh, with either a guest or with Carlo. So looking forward to this weekend. Big night of fights uh, on Saturday. Looking forward to my rehab start uh, here in Sugar Land for the Skeeters and getting back uh, with the show Stros. We're making a big push. Talk to you guys soon. Serious XM Podcasts.